Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and the Mandalorian trailer was released at D23, giving us our first look at Jon Favreau's Star Wars series on Disney+. Pedro Pascal is starring as the Mandalorian gunfighter in the days after the fall of the Empire and Return of the Jedi, but before the emergence of the First Order in the new trilogy. It's right in that dirty sweet spot that every Star Wars fan can agree was a great time to be alive. I'm gonna break down this trailer for the details that you might have missed. Whoa, damn. So our first shot depicts a pile of sandy stormtrooper helmets, some smeared in dried blood, as a figure walks by a row of more helmets on pikes. But yeah, I'm guessing that's not just helmets. Probably severed heads in there too. Don't forget, stormtroopers are people, and some stormtrooper has friends on these pikes. What a striking image to introduce this Mandalorian post-Empire world. Stormtroopers, it looks like, are being executed and made an example of. And their helmets are being left on. Kind of reminds me of the Inglorious Bastards marking their Nazis with swastikas. See, death doesn't exonerate space Nazis of their colors either. The sand, the background, the bright sunlight, harsh shadows, all kind of suggest that we might be looking at Tatooine here. But then again, Star Wars has a ton of desert terrain planets, including Jakku, Savarine. So never judge a Star Wars planet by its dirt. All right, let's move on. Okay, in this clip, the ship soars over a forest terrain and the Mandalorian figured and the Mandalorian departs the shipyard into a town. In the distant background, you can see a rolling astromech droid. See, Mandalorians come from the planet Mandalore, known for their distinctive armor. Like the bounty hunter Boba Fett wore Mandalorian armor. In the days of the Old Republic, the Mandalorians were warmongers, fierce fighters. They raided the Jedi Temple. In the years of the Clone Wars, they were actually overthrown by Darth Maul's Shadow Collective. Yes, Darth Maul is alive and well in this storyline. Yes, Darth Maul is alive and well in this storyline in the animated series. And actually in the live action canon as well, according to the end of Solo Star Wars Story. Gotta keep up with this. Like pretty much everyone, they were ruled by the Empire, but now that the Empire has collapsed, the Mandalorians may be scattered. Leaving us with this lone Mandalorian gunslinger and bounty hunter, Pedro Pascal, who in a close-up appears to be exchanging goods with this man, Grief Karga, played by Carl Weathers, got himself a stew going. Grief is the leader of a bounty hunter guild who hires a Mandalorian to track down some valuable asset. I'm guessing a person. It's always a person. Next clip. So the Mandalorian ship flies over a cracked canyon surface, or maybe over, or maybe, uh, looks so cool, or maybe a, or maybe it's over a colossal alien with very dry skin. Close-ups show him slipping weapons in his boots, strapping on his gauntlet as he heads out for the day. But then there's a shot of Gina Carano, who's playing Cara Dune, described as a former rebel shock trooper. Shock troopers were the elite soldiers used by various armies, many of whom became mercenaries because they're so badass. Next is a shot of the Mandalorian facing an armed rider on a Blurg. Blurgs first appeared in Ewoks The Battle of Endor, that was a made-for-TV movie, and they've shown up in Star Wars The Clone Wars. And then there's a winking Twilight girl. Notice she's twisting a dagger in her hand. I can't be certain, but there's a guy in front of her who looks like he's the head of Bill Burr. Bill Burr is playing another character in this series. And before we move on, there's an example of some wonderful Western-inspired imagery. The director of photography for this series is the same person who did Rogue One, so the imagery is fantastic. Here we see a lone gunslinger walking across the landscape. It's the exact kind of Shane and John Wayne inspired imagery that George Lucas originally brought into the first Star Wars. Let's move on. Okay, here the character played by, I think this is Emmett's I think this is Emily Swallow. She hugs a kid tightly in the water. You can see a piece of machinery beside them. Perhaps they've crash landed in this pond. But next, there's a row of black armored death troopers. We actually saw these in Rogue One accompanying Krennic. I just love the detail that the heat looks like it's burned off the black paint on the tips of the barrels of their weapons. Then another example of classic Western imagery, the familiar gunslinger frame. A close-up on the Mandalorian's hand as he grips his blaster. 
in its holster, apparently moments before a draw. This shot was also used on Han Solo in the original Star Wars and in Solo A Star Wars Story. Next, we see Gus Fring, Giancarlo Esposito's character. He appears to be with, he appears to be leading an Empire faction. He's flanked by Death Troopers on one side, White Armored Stormtroopers on the other. And before we move on, a sick looking nighttime speeder bike chase. The same kinds that the Stormtroopers chase him with on Endor in Return of the Jedi. And this might be the one shot, uh, and I think this is our one shot in the trailer of Pascal without his Mandalorian helmet. On to the next clip. Okay, here there's a shot of an ATST chicken walker attacking an area with defensive fortifications. So we're getting more examples of how even after the death of the Emperor, regional governors and existing Empire factions are still making the aftermath extremely messy. The war is not completely over in a nice neat little bow. Civilians flee gunfire. And then there's a shot of the Mandalorian blasting down a door with his droid. This is IG-11 and it's voiced and mocap performed by Taika Waititi, who is one of the directors of the series as well. There's a cool looking space battle. Now the series is being budgeted at about $15 million an episode, so yeah, you can expect some film quality here. Then the Mandalorian fires a turret and IG-11 twists and pivots, kind of like a Rubik's Cube, behind the back shot, very nice. And notice how his head twists as well. It's giving him a 360 degree view there. Then the Mandalorian finds himself surrounded in a standoff with a squad of stormtroopers. And again, great attention to detail here. They're all covered with rust colored dirt. And then we hear the lovely voice of Vanna Herzog, whom we meet in the final clip. Ah, bar fights, always appreciated. The Mandalorian grabs this dude by his freaking face tentacles, smashes him into the counter. That's why he always tuck those in. And when he tries to run, Mandalorian lasses his foot, drags him back, blasts the door, which snaps shut, probably, to sever this guy in half. Oof, not a good day. Also, right beside that door, Looks to be like a giant tusk, a fang or a claw or something. Making me wonder, is this whole bar inside of a giant skull? Or is that like a decorative or construction material? Kind of looks like it could be a rancor tooth or claw. Next, there's a creepy shot of a stack of bountied fugitives frozen in carbonite. Exactly the way Han Solo was in Empire and Jedi. Apparently, the... Apparently, Darth Vader's whole experiment of this being tried on Han, the fact that it was successful has led to it being a common practice. And then the Mandalorian faces Vanna Herzog's character. He wears this interesting pendant with the crest of the Empire on it. This looks like some kind of Medal of Valor, maybe like the Empire equivalent of the medal given to Luke in Han, but not Chewie by the Rebellion at the end of Star Wars. So I'm thinking Herzog must be some kind of Empire loyalist. Comment down below with what you're most looking forward to from the Mandalorian. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at EAVA and subscribe to New Rockstars for more breakdowns and theories about everything Star Wars. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our Star Wars podcast feed, Wookie Leaks, for early access to audio versions of all this stuff, plus some upcoming podcast-exclusive content. Thank you for joining me, and I do not blame Pedro Pascal for never wanting to take his helmet off. And we all remember what happened to him in Game of Thrones.